Wow, I don't know what I could say that is any better than what you've just heard. But, but we thank God for the impartation, and uh, we, we share a great uh, delight with the victories that God has won, and, and we're confident to believe for, for whatever it is that we need. Amen? So, thank you, Megan. So I'm going to go ahead and share the word. Is that okay with you, Bev? Can I go on ahead and speak now? All right, Bev's giving me the high sign, so we'll, we'll just get going here. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to a very familiar passage found in Revelation chapter 3, and particularly, uh, we're going to talk about what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, and we're going to talk about it in uh, perhaps a different way than, um, than what we've considered prior. I, I do thank God that his word is alive and that it is able to say all manner of things to us, even from passages that we thought we understood every jot and tittle of. But um, I will say before we read, we're going to begin reading at Revelation 3, verse 20 through uh, 20 and 21, verse, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 that um, two nights ago, it was very, very early in the morning, and I started hearing a very loud knocking, very, very loud knocking. And at first I thought I, I was sleeping, and it was in kind of a dream. I just heard it, and then I woke and I still was hearing the knocking just for a few seconds. And I thought, is that somebody at my door? Which is never something you want to hear at 2.30 in the morning. And um, if they wanted bread, tough luck. We, we had no bread, you know. <laughs> my kids weren't in bed with me. I had no bread anyway. But I waited there, and I didn't hear anything more in the natural, for which I was very grateful. And um, so I knew that it was something that was spiritual. It didn't sound, it didn't feel evil, but it felt profound. And so throughout the next day, I was praying and I kept remembering that. And I thought, Lord, well, I know the passage about knocking. I know that passage. Uh, is there something you want to say to me? Is, is there is there something that I need to open the door for you to come in and commune with me? And I, I openly welcomed him in that. But there wasn't any further clarity coming until early this morning when I was awakened with lightning and thunder. I always like that when that's happening and the rain hitting. And so as soon as I could beat a path to the front room and go into my prayer corner, and watch the flash of the lightning and let the thunder speak into my breastplate, I was happy. And at that point, the Lord directed me to reread this passage that I have quoted. I've preached on this I don't know how many times. But as I read it, I knew that that knocking was really a sign for where we are as a body and I dare say as a network for what we're, what we're experiencing here in this year of truth and sonship and what we are, we are really engaging in in his rest. And so 
we read in Revelation 3, verses 20 and 21, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Now we could read 22 as well. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. In order for us to consider what I believe the Spirit is saying to us at this time, I think we need to take uh, a look at exactly when Jesus was saying this. This was the church at Laodicea, which means gathering of the peoples. It was the seventh church that Jesus spoke to, and that's highly significant. And here in this seventh church, he talks about how blessed these people had been, but he speaks from the standpoint of, and you can see it for yourself, verse 14, the amen. He's speaking from the right hand of the throne. And he's, he's really, um, he's, he's speaking about the, the objective of what the Father is wanting to do in the world and among the churches because he's talking about the beginning of creation, the faithful and true witness, and from the right hand of the throne. And this church was obviously very blessed. They said of themselves that they were rich and they didn't need anything. And uh, they were content. They were complacent. They were those sons who had come in partnership with the Father to the seventh day. And there in their rest, they were really content and provided for. Now, God wants us to be that. God wants us to be content in him. He wants us to be provided for. He wants us to have more than enough. He wants us to have pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But at that point, you can either become a, a bigger barn builder, or you can say, okay, I thank you, Father. The seventh day represents looking back over the things you've done, reflecting, learning, being taught of, of you, God, and then to position ourselves to go forward into the new. That's what the seventh day is. That's what the day of rest is. That's what the Lord's Sabbath is, where we are getting ourselves positioned to move forward on behalf of the armies of heaven into the new day. And so this is the perspective by which Jesus is speaking to this church. So some of the things he says to them are really indicative of the blessing of the Lord, which those of us who are committed to partnering with the ways of God will always know blessing. But when we come to the end of the sequence, divinely ordained, and God removes his hand, we can look and reflect about how the glory of the Lord moved and we can take that as a point of thanksgiving and a confidence builder and a faith builder, and we can move forward into the new. But that's not so much what 
this church was doing. And Jesus then talks about a verse that we really know well, verses 14, 15, verses 15 and 16. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, this has been talked about over and over again. But let's view it from the perspective of the seven spirits. Here you are at this ending point, And the next phase of what you're going to be doing is personally you're going to be drawing near to the glory and the depth of the presence of the Lord, but you're also moving forward into the application of his word and into a, a PowerPoint of invasion and victory. So cold and hot, what does that mean? Uh, well, those are two ends of the spectrum of the seven spirits, really, because cold here is not frigid. If you trace out that word, which I'm sure many of you easily can do, you'll find that when you go to the root of it or close to the root of it in the Greek, it means a strong, consistent breathing pattern where you are, are not alarmed, where you're not overexerted, but it's a strong breathing pattern. And so to me, that's what we experience or should be experiencing when we wait on the Lord and we're reflecting on him and we're overjoyed at his presence at the culmination of whatever measure of partnership with him and his ways that we've experienced. Hot means just what it says. You are, you are ready to engage wholeheartedly. You are ready to move in power. You are, you are stirred. You are, you are bubbling over with, uh, with uh, the vitality and the zeal of the Lord. So Jesus says here, after seven churches, at the seventh church, we're at this point, which should be a point of reflection, galvanizing for the new, and looking forward into the new. I wish you were on one end or the other, but this willingness to just abide in the middle of past victories, this willingness to just hang around, neither hot nor cold, but just just in, the, in yesterday's uh, pot on the stove, that's not acceptable to the one with fire in his eyes. That's not acceptable to the one who is uh, moving in his spirit as seven lamps of flame. Uh, we, we need to be in one place or the other. We need to be either triumphing in the victory that the Lord has given, looking forward to the new, or we need to be engaged readily on fire for him, one or the other. And if you're, if you're somewhere in the middle and you're abiding in the glory land and you've seen everything, done everything, you're just waiting for the rapture, God's not pleased with that. It's almost like that passage that we talked about where the Lord is going through at this feast and he sees some guy who he clearly says, friend, where is your wedding garment? Uh, now, in that factor of what that feast represented, those that were in that feast were celebrating, and they were obviously ready to move forward into the new. And if you if you're somewhere in the middle, if you're not if you're not engaged 
as Jesus will talk about here in the middle, what he's recommending that they gain. If you're, if you're still wearing yesterday's garment, you're going to miss out at the victory. And I know people get spooked about that outer darkness and challenge, but I would just say this. If you look at our world today, and you were as those who had no hope, if you weren't moving as an operative of the Spirit, as an intercessor, would you want to be subject to what's going on in our world? Would you really want to be out there where people don't know men from women, where they're just abomination upon abomination and the twisting of things? If that's not outer darkness, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. So here is the Lord stating at this crux point of the seven spirits, look, you know the drill. He didn't say that. That's me saying it. You're partnering with the seven spirits. You need to be either on fire, engaged in the initiation of what I'm doing now, or you need to be at this point where you're breathing, you're breathing securely, you are confident, you're reflecting in the ways of the Lord. We need this point of rest. And I know there are many variations. You're going to hear about them in the seminar. But the, the objective of it is, is to be communing with the Father to go forward, and then how His Spirit interacts in breathing through us, in us, those are factors of that. So cold there, yeah, you look at it. It can mean frigid. Cold there, but you just trace it back, and you, the end result of, of breathing uh, confidently is when you give up, and then gradually you atrophy, and then you're cold. Remember what the Apostle Paul said when he was writing about what God gave him regarding the communion. When he says, "With for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and, and many are really comatose. I mean, how did they get that way? Because they were not willing to partner with the table of grace. They were not willing to embrace what uh, the Spirit of the Lord was equipping them to do. They were not willing to engage in what the Scripture says is worthiness, where everybody is assuming their, their yoke in the Lord, bearing their cross, toting the weight that God has assigned to them. That's what axios means. And so there again, Jesus is saying this. You come to the table of the Lord, and if you're not willing to do that, you're going to be weak and sickly and many sleep. That's not my words. That's the Scripture. And so we always have the opportunity to either keep moving forward in God or to do, as the old-timers would say, backslide. And... Um, I don't, I don't want to be backslidden, but worse than that, I don't want to be, I don't want to miss out on partnering with God. So the lukewarm part uh, is, is really a measure of not just emetics, but uh, what Jesus is going to talk about coming in and eating with somebody. And here at the beginning, he says, what you're doing right now is not acceptable for the feast that I'm offering you. In fact, I, don't wanna, I will not ingest what it is that you're doing. I, 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 I either need you to be 
partnering with, with my ways to be actively engaged in obedience to what the Father has commanded us to do from the right hand, the amen, or you need to be before me now preparing for that. And um, any other factor is not on the menu for me. In fact, it's not even something that I don't want to ingest. I'm not even going to let it be near my lips. I will spew it out. It's just not something I'm going to, oh, yeah, I'll give it a taste. Oh, Lord, I made this. Well, you want to taste it? Well, sure, I'll taste it. Just like when, the, when Allie and Megan make something and, you know, you got to, this is not fudge. I mean, this, it's not acceptable. But, you know, the Lord says, I'm not even going to let this draw now in my lips. So he's really laying it out here that this church who was blessed, obviously they had a candlestick, obviously they had an angel, and this church was not in a position in the classification of the seven spirits to move forward. So then he says, verse 18, I counsel you to buy of me. Now, when you first read that, you would think, well, th th this is works. Is it, is it the old Catholic treasury of merit where you get enough people praying so that you can get old ratty Uncle Charlie out of purgatory? I mean, how do you buy this from the Lord when it's free? Well, this, and I, again, I value the work that the, the, mostly the men in Oxford and Cambridge did in translating uh, the scriptures, uh, the, the codexes that Henry VIII had preserved and I value that. I mean, I, I don't know how the Apostle Paul had this before the time. But, you know, I value that. But this really doesn't necessarily say buying. This okay, here we go. I'm back. Whew, did you miss me? Uh, this is this is a form of agora. This is for the market. Here's one. All right, there we go. As Levi would say. Uh, <laughs> he loves the backward pass. Um, this, this is speaking about the marketplace where you're, you're gathered there with the Lord. The seventh day is really a marketplace where you're before the Father and you are being prepared for what you need going forward, like the table of grace. So what are the three things that the Lord says in this seventh slot you need? The first is you want, you can read it for yourself just so you know I'm not making it up, to buy of me gold tried in the fire. I suspect that this ministry of the saints and what we've been called as Elijah's, drawing the Elijah's together, uh, is, is one of the finest dimensions of faith that the Father would share with anyone. I mean, this is gold tried in the fire. This is the perfection of faith. 
This is the de demonstration of what God is doing at the right hand. And so that's the gold tried in the fire. And it's our mission. It's, it's our mission at the right hand of God, of faith. Secondly, the garment, whether that's the white linen, definitely of the saints, whether that's the sha'al of partnership with God where we can commune with the Father in intimacy but yet in power, or whether it's uh, the accoutrements of what we should be outfitted with to represent the kingdom as we go forward. And the third thing that in this marketplace that we should be receiving from Jesus, because none of us has enough coin to buy any of this stuff. I hope you recognize this. And it's not, uh, you know, well, well, if I just pray another hour, I'll have, I'll have enough to buy that shiny thing there in the front case like Dennis and I used to do when we would save up money to buy something. And, you know, the third thing is that we would have our eyes anointed. Why the eyes there? Well, we're talking about the seven spirits here. We're talking about the eyes of God. And we need the anointing from him to be able to be led, to be able to perceive in God's timing what his ways are wanting to accomplish in that time frame. The anointing is to remedy our limitations from the past or whatever we've known in the last day so that we can partner with the seven spirits of God, the, the eyes of the Lord, uh, in going forward. So if we really come before the table, just like we would come before the table of the Lord in grace, and we're communing there in the marketplace of the Spirit, breathing confidently, ready to move forward, and the Lord himself is going to be initiating these three things. At the right hand of the Father, he's praying for us. Seems I read that somewhere. He's praying for us that we would accomplish the will of the Father as saints. And so we want to serve the Father in the highest dimension of obedience in faith as we can, which the Scripture clearly says that our faith is as fine gold. So we need that. And we need the garment that the Lord would, would say, well, what's wrong with our old garment? Well, read the Scripture. You know, in Zechariah, Joshua was there. He has accomplished great things, so much so that he's able to be at the forefront of what God wants to do in preparing the way for the people to return to Jerusalem. And they, they take that old garment off and put on a new garment. Satan doesn't like it, but you, you need to have that. And then thirdly, that we would be anointed to be able to follow the eyes of the Lord and to see what he would say. And with that, we're also, many of you have been in the crucible of this. I know I have. I don't know how long this season has been, but God's been talking about transition. God's been talking about Elijah's and Elisha's. God's been talking about this for a couple of years, hasn't he? And we're seeing it now. We're seeing it manifest now. Um, where there's been chastening, because if God loves you and you're a son, you're going to be chastened. If you don't believe that, just rip off the book of Hebrews and toss it aside. It says it very clearly there and in other places. Even Jesus uh, became a son through the, through the sufferings. He was obedient in the point of the challenges that the Father put before him. So we need to say, I'm going to be zealous. And in that zealousness and anticipation of where I'm going, 
I turn and I'm going to serve. That's what God's been working in a lot of us. And, and I watch you as pastor. I don't, I'm not one of those pastors that's hammering you all the time. Because see, see that's, that's the big change that happened here. You cannot legislate passion. You cannot legislate or hound somebody into loving the Lord. Oh, you can make them obey. Oh, you can make them play the game. But this, this ministry is about seeking after the Father and passionately loving the Lord in agape. And we, we need that. So um, I, I know that this has been happening in so many of you. God has brought you through. The operative thing is he's brought you through. It's like that, that uh, quote that I love to, to say. It, Churchill said it, but I think he quoted it from somebody else. Um, who knows when it started? If you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. And you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't stop. God's with you there, as pleasant as that is. But the valley leads you from promise to fulfillment. Gain the victory there. And get up to that fulfillment and then engage in what he's saying here. Start looking forward to the new because we love the Lord. So here we come then. After all of that, where he's trying to initiate these church to get back in line and get ready to move forward because what you're doing is not acceptable. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I almost nudged Debbie and said, hey, go see who's at the door. No, I knew that was my responsibility. I was kind of hoping it wasn't in the natural. <laughs> um, I stand at the door. At the what? At the door. In just a, just a few verses, John is, uh, is looking, and behold, a door is opened in heaven, and a whole new dimension of relationship with the Father is brought before him. These doors of commune with the Father are something precious to him. And Jesus is at this door, and he's knocking, and he's saying, are, are, you, are you hearing my voice? Are you hearing what I'm teaching you? Have you hear, been hearing what I've been saying over these last six churches and now this seventh? Are you ready to keep hearing me? This door is ready to be opened. I'm knocking, but you have to open it. How many times when we were kids did we hear this used in altar calls? And it works. Friend, God is knocking at your door right now. The question is, will you open the door and come up here to the, where are the altars? Come up here to these altars and welcome Jesus in. The problem with that was, that in my church, at least, I was a kid, which meant that I, my head was on a swivel. I knew everything that was going on in that sanctuary. And most of the people that the pastor, if not all the people usually in my church, were Christians. So if they had to keep in a revolving door coming up to get saved every Sunday, we were in a peck of trouble. Jesus is talking to the seven churches. He's talking in the seven spirits. He's talking to a church that was triumphant, who had skins on the wall, as it were. So he's inviting them to something else other than the Roman road. 
And I think we need to see that. Yes, there's a place for being born again. And the Lord is always softly and tenderly calling, come home. Yes, the Lord is saying that. But this is Jesus. He's just told these people, this mighty church, what he was expecting of them. And now the knocking, asserting there's a new horizon ahead. Will you hear my voice and really obey? Hear and obey. Those are the keys. I stand and I listen and I obey. That's friend of the bridegroom talk. And knocking at the door, who hears my voice, what does it say? And open that door. Say, yes, Lord, I will go with you. Doors indicate intimacy, commerce, blessing. And we've talked about that. We've talked about the difference between doors and gates and windows and ports and all those other things. But you won't know any of them unless you know how to walk through the door with the Lord and fellowship with him and, and to know him and to be imparted to by him. So you open the door. I will come in, and what will happen? I will sup with him and he with me. Now here we come to the fast that I'm going to ask you to do. In all the years that we've studied about this, and they've all been right on, I never focused on the fact that this was the evening meal. Sup, even back then, in the Greek culture, the, the Greek word here, in the Greek, amongst the Greeks, the Romans, and the Jews, this was the evening meal. Arguably, the last meal of the day. And how fitting it is for him to be talking to the church at Laodicea the seventh church of the seven spirits and saying at this seventh day where you are fellowshipping with me, where you're reflecting on what has gone on, you're looking forward to the new, you're being outfitted in fellowship with me for chastening, for instruction, for empowerment. This is the meal that the Lord is talking about because it is the last, it's the evening meal. And, and I, I love that. And in fact, it was a time when people would, what would they do? They would come, talk about the day, talk about what was going on. Dare say, they might even talk about what's coming tomorrow. Does that sound familiar with the seven spirits? Of course it does. And they would fellowship, and they would gain rest and refreshing. Whew, I'm glad this day is over. Whew. And you, you know the way it is. And, and so Jesus says, I will sup. Now, in linguistics, and I don't want to get too far into this because I lose some people with it, but in English, we talk about supplication. We talk about that as being a measure of prayer in the, uh, in the New Testament deasis, but we call it supplication. And we use that small beginning of sup in part of it. Why? Because we know that when you're engaged in that measure of prayer with the Lord, it is a fellowship. It is a commune. It is a sharing of what God has entrusted you to do. So we borrow this sup and describe it in English, uh, that type of prayer, as from this root word. But here, it's speaking of the evening meal. And again, how fitting it is for the seventh day. So I'm going to come in, and I'm going to sup. Now, we also have the sop, which is a derivation. We've talked about this. 
where, you know, Judas had his hands in the sop, the bitter sop. It's a time for you to get yourself straight. It's a time for you not to, you know, you know what does it say about uh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath? That would have been a good Elton John song. Don't let the sun go down on wrath. Just joking. I don't ever listen to Elton John. I don't so, you know, the, but the thing is that you better not carry into the night the, the troubles and the issues. So there is that measure of the chastening and the commissioning of the Lord. Because if you do that, you're going to be troubled all night. The airwaves of dreams and commune to the Lord are going to all be congested. And you may, don't take this too strongly, open yourself for all kinds of demonic issues. I'm just telling you the way it is. I mean, you know, we prayed over a couple of people down in Brazil who were having some difficulty in the night. They were committing themselves to intercession. And in the night, the enemy would come and try to, harass them and that's one of the first things I said I said you, you got to get bitterness out of your life when you go to bed you got to make sure that as much as possible it's not eliminating all your challenges but don't be carrying any battle axes or you might just roll over one in the middle of the night and cut yourself so and the enemy will be all over that your dreams are reserved for the father for purpose and intercession in the night and taking you through your the spirit within and the Spirit of God to serve the throne. And that is a wonderful thing that I believe God is accentuating. He's been doing it, but he's going to be accentuating it in your life. And so I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So we, we need to be in a position where we're saying, Father, yes, I'm ready to move forward with Jesus through the power of the Spirit. I, I hear that knocking, which is an opening of the door. You know, that's the wonderful thing about knocking. Do you ever be in your house and somebody just walks in? What do you say? Don't you know how to knock? You say anything, or you may something, say something more drastic than that. But, um, you know, if, if you're going into a place, even if the people know you're coming, there's going to be a knock. There's an acknowledgement. Yes, come in. There's an acknowledgement. Yes, you're welcome here. And so the Lord's not going to barge in on any of you. He's not going to make Stacy Maggs do anything. You've got to say yes, Lord, especially at this junction point of the seven spirits. And he's going to come, and he's going to commune with you, which is what this seventh day is all about. And you've got to be in the right mind. Did you, ever, did you ever go out to eat with somebody, and they say, oh, I'm not hungry, I've already eaten? Yeah, I understand how that could be. Of course, you go down to Brazil, and they feed you like you're the fatted calf. And yet they don't understand. I've had two big meals at two other churches today. Please don't make me eat anymore. Um, but, you know, you gotta, you got to be communing, and you got to be hungry. you got to be hungry and full. That's cold and hot. And that's the attitude we have to have, where we're reflecting, we're giving thanks, and the Lord is there, and he's going to meet with us, and, and these things are going to happen. We're, we're going to be entrusted with the next dimension of partnership and faith. We're going to be outfitted by the Lord with the garments that he wants us to be wearing. And we're going to be anointed with that anointing 
to be able to see and to partner with the seven spirits as we go forward. We need that. So as I thought about this this morning and the lightning was flashing outside and I was just as happy as could be, I had half a cup of coffee yet left. It was dark. Lightning would flash. The spirit is talking. I got my phone lit up. I'm reading these scriptures. And I thought, okay, between now and seminar, this is what we need to do. We need to be committing the nighttime hours to the Lord. And I don't know how you need to adjust your schedule. I'm not speaking to those of you who have to take medicines and you need something on your belly or you'll have tummy ache. I'm not talking about that. But I'm thinking every night, however you do it, when you come to that evening time, maybe, maybe you fast through the evening meal, have communion, and go into the night. I think you need to do it in conjunction with this, where you're saying, yes, Lord, come in. I, I want to sup with you. I want you to have your way. I'm giving in this last part, this sup, this supper. You know, people call it supper and dinner, but it's always the night. French, they have lots of other things. The petit déjeuner, which is the small little bit of breakfast, you know. Isn't that what it means, I think? The small lunch at breakfast. It's almost like the hobbits, the levensies. So, um, but, you know, whatever it is that you need to do, we need to devote those hours prophetically in this seventh year as we're going into this, as we're in this year of truth and commit it to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord and ask him to meet with you through the night. Just, just in conjunction with when he said he would come. He didn't say, I'll come and have a croissant and coffee with you. He said, I'll come and sup. And that word means the evening meal. So do that as an offering to the Lord and expect him to meet with you. I've had so many active experiences in the middle of the night recently and in fact, in some ways, it's, it's just, we've, again, those of you who've been here, you know we've talked about warfare in the night. We have the angels standing there. We've had visions and being caught away in other places. All those things are wonderful, and we've experienced them. But there's something new that God is doing. I want that. I want to engage wherever the Father needs me. So I'm asking, Father, Gird me up at your right hand so that I'll embrace the cause of faith in this year. Help me to be outfitted as you would require of me so that I can succeed in you and be recognized as one of yours. Help me to have my eyes anointed and so that I could, uh, I could walk uh, in conjunction with your spirit and not miss a moment. I don't want to miss a thing the spirit is saying. Do you? No, I want that. And we, it's not by might or by power. It's by his spirit. It's by his invitation. He's knocking. You open the door. He does the rest, if you're willing. So between now and seminar, and I do, well, pastor, can I do this? Pastor, can I do that? Go before the Lord and ask him what he wants of you. But it's from the dinner time through the next morning. And believe that somehow prophetically God is outfitting you for this. Because this is where you are. It's not woulda, coulda, shoulda, maybe. You are there. We are here. And, and I believe this is a directive from the Spirit. So we're not finished yet. 
To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Now, this sit with me and this set um, with the father in the throne is the same word, kataprizo. And the interesting thing about this word is it has nothing to do with a chair. You can look at this up for yourself. I thought this was fascinating. It has to do with coming from one place and being ready to function in a new. And um, this, the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the word itself was often used in Greek society for chemists or for people who did um, scientific experiments, and they did a lot of them. And they would describe this as after they've mixed things together and all, all of the uh, uh, excitement and the vitality of, of, um, of whatever the, the chemical reaction was, and then when the thing would settle and was ready, whatever they'd mixed it up for, it had settled. And now that potion or whatever it was was ready. That's this word. And so God brings us to this point, and you're committing yourself to him, and there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on. But when it's all said and done, and you're positioned and poised to go forward, you're going in the power of the throne, as Christ did. With all that he went through, and he ascended to heaven, and as the slain lamb with the seven eyes, he goes, takes the little book, and is sitting at the throne. He's done all of these things, and now he's an overcomer, which is why an overcoming is mixed in there. And you're readied. All things are in position. You're readied. I love this also because derivations of this word speak about what happened on the day of Pentecost when the tongues of fire, after the rushing mighty wind, and all of those people were interceding, supplication in the upper room. They were dwindling in numbers day by day until they got to 120. And they had had the word from the angel. They had had the word from Jesus. They had seen Christ rise. But when it all came about in the perfect timing, those tongues of fire sat on their head. This is the derivation of this word, which meant you're, you're to be an ecclesia of fire now, and this is sitting upon you. You're equipped with it. Use it to partner with the fire of God. Use it to commune with this gift of tongues. Use it to fulfill the will of the Father as the ecclesia. It's also a uh, derivation of it describes what Mary, the one who loved the Lord, did when she sat at his feet. Whatever it is that she was doing probably wasn't enough for her sister, but can you ever please sisters? I don't know. Those of you who are sisters, you can answer that. You never do enough. I'm glad Katie didn't say anything there. But, you know, she sat. Whatever her hustle and bustle was all about, there she was at the Lord's feet, and she was positioned to serve, to hear, to do. There are other uh, facets of this derivation, but this wonderful thing about sitting with the Lord at his throne on this seventh day, to this seventh church, looking forward to the new, after all of these things have taken place, you're prepared. It's all mixed up. And see, 
Sometimes this is where Christians, and I've been in Pentecost all my life. You better get out of it. I've been in Pentecost all my entering into the Pentecost. Um, and and I know people like the the action. They like they like the the, the all of the bells and whistles, and I love them too. But at some point, whatever God is giving that for needs to settle, and you need to emerge with an empowerment. And you need to walk on behalf of that. That's what he's saying to this church, isn't it? That's what he's saying over and over and over again in different ways. And that's where we are. With the, with the caveat of this, I don't believe. I, th- I think each one of us had to choose. Are you ready to go forward? You had the chance to get off. You had the chance to quit. You had the chance to say, all right, I've done it. Time for somebody else. But you've all taken that Rubicon step, and you're in it. You're like Cortez. Burn the ships. We're here. And I I think that we're in this position, and God is now offering this to us. We're, we're not in a lukewarm state. We're, we're positioned as a network to hear from God, to walk with Jesus on behalf of the right hand of the throne of God, to take our cross, to receive all of these things that he is making available to us, and to be settled and ready to go, as he says go. And we're already going. And so... I, I don't believe that you're in the lukewarm state. However, if some of you are, you need to know that that's not on Jesus' menu. He's not going to like it. No matter how much you dress it up with parsley and every other thing on the plate, he doesn't want that. He wants you hot or cold, and arguably he wants you both, hungry and uh, full. And so I love these words of the Lord. I love them all, but um, particularly this 20th verse is a prophetic word for us. Now, again, I want to reiterate this. However you feel led to dedicate the evening hour to the Lord, do it. If it's you doing communion before, uh, before the sundown or at sundown, great. If it's a fast, great. If it's a special kind of fast, great. But the Lord's going to come in and sit with you. So do what he says. Do what he says. But know that I believe that it is a prophetic alignment with this, and I believe that our obedience to that is saying, yeah, Lord, you really do mean what you're saying here, so I'm going to take you at your word. I hear the knocking, and I hear your voice telling me what to do. And I'm opening this door. I am choosing to participate in this door. Come in, and let's, let's spend this evening, this seventh day, together. Now you say, well, no, wait a second, Pastor. We're in the seventh year. Does that mean we're just being prepared for next year? (laughs) Well, I have a feeling that next year is going to be explosive in ways that we don't even imagine. But we're not inactive during this year. I mean, we're moving forward. We're welcoming 
I want to tell you what we're what one of the things we're doing, and this is very exciting. We're welcoming scores of people to the table. We are. I'm amazed at how the Spirit is giving this message favor with pastors and churches. I mean, they're just turning over their entire churches to this message, stating that God had prepared them for it. Um, strong men and women, very strong, very confident, very powerful, weep and say, we submit to you. Now, not to me, but to what I represent with you before the throne. So we're gathering a lot of people to the table. This may be, this may be what that one feast that the Lord describes. Go out in the highways and byways. Bring the people who need to have instruction in walking and seeing. Bring the people who need to have instructions to what to do with their hands that maybe have atrophied over the years. You bring them to the table. Because I think we could all agree that the things that are going to be happening in this world in the near time are going to be biblical, but end-timey. And we're, we're going to need to be prepared. But that doesn't mean that this year is going to lack fireworks. I mean, I already saw it these past couple of trips. And, and I, I, I wish I could describe to you, I'm not doing a good job of it the way that the Holy Spirit is opening up upon these people and the way they are openly giving themselves up with tears of, of acceptance. So, I want to be prepared. I, I, I want to keep being with the Lord and I, I want to serve Him by this time. You, Elijah's, you, you, you see these young ones coming in and they may be young ones at 70. It's not a chronology thing. You see these young ones coming in, you got to, here's where you sit. Here's what you do. Well, what do I do if I feel this? Well, this is what you say. They need that instruction. And as Trish said a number of years ago in one of her teachings, God is, God is going to be bringing these people to come along and infusing to them uh, the immediacy of the things that it's taken us years to learn because it's the Word, and they're going to be ready. Hallelujah. So, this is the knocking. And, um, you know, I need all of these things. And I, I have to admit, I should be done by now. Bev's up there hitting the watch. And she's saying, it's time for you to stop, Pastor. You know, I'm just joking. With Bev would never do any of these things which is why I say it. It just makes me happy. Now, if Cece said it, I wouldn't be playing around. Um, I, every one of these things, I felt, and I've told you all along, I haven't hidden them in a closet and say, I just want to come here and open myself and tell you. I've told you this. The enemy says, why do you keep doing this? You know, why, why, don't I, why don't you just ease back? But there's a fire in our bones. We cannot be silent. And I don't want that fire to go out. Do you? We need to be serving. As my brother Noah said, I want to live as long as I'm alive. I want to serve him and see the promise of God fulfilled in these nations. 
out of this little seed, out of this remnant, and we're seeing it. And so, but every one of these points I felt, and I still feel, uh, we're always going to be learning from the Lord. And, um, but, but I need these things that I can obtain for him for going forward. It's going to the outfitter. You know, you know you're going to need this. You know, Yuwali was uh, the week before, the 10 days before he met with me, he was climbing 21,000 feet mountains in Ecuador. And so he had his big luggage there. And so he was taking out all of these things that he had to wear going up on these mountains. He didn't go with his uh, poncho and his uh, sombrero and his, uh, and his, <laughs> and his flip-flops. Isn't that what they all wear down in Mexico all the time? Urban sombreros, Fabian, you, you can tell us. Uh, no, you know, he, he got equipped to go up there. And he had the best stuff you could get to be able to not be frozen, to not, uh, to not slip and fall down the hill. I saw pictures. I saw he was there. He wasn't just blowing smoke. But he was showing me all this stuff that he got. And I'm wondering... What is the Father wanting to outfit you with for what's ahead? Special things you need. Special things we all need. That's what this is. So let's prayerfully consider what we're going to do. And again, I, I'm leaving this between you and the Lord. Okay? But you do whatever you need to do in those nighttime hours but on the crux of this supping with the Lord. And, and then you can go off, and I am done with this, Bev. Um, how many things happened in the evening oblation? How many things happened in the nighttime incense? Lots of those in the Scripture. So, and I think they're indicative of um, this concept where it's prophetically not it's tangibly for the, the the day itself, getting ready for what God wants to do through you in the night. But it's also prophetic of partnering with the Lord to remember, hey, I'm not just skipping from day to day. I'm partnering with God. I'm working with his seven spirits. I'm fulfilling with all of my heart of gratitude what the Father is allowing me to do. So this is a time of alignment in this year of sonship as we anticipate the seminar entitled His Rest. And, and I believe this is from the Lord, so I, re I release that to you, and I just ask that you would be submissive to whatever the Spirit says. Father, I, I bless this people. I thank you for your word that continues to speak to us. And I thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to partner with you. What a privilege. What a joy divine. I thank you, Father. I, I speak blessing over this congregation and all the congregations of the saints. And I pray that you would meet with us daily, but especially in this framework of the night. And this isn't necessarily a fast of warfare. This isn't necessarily a fast of driving out the darkness. We've done that before. This is a fellowship fast. 
This is a time where each night we welcome what we've learned in this passage. But we welcome it with you, Lord Jesus. We love you. And as our people go from this place or wherever they meet joining, may we go forth with victory. May we go forth having known that God has touched us. May we go forth knowing that we lack nothing and we are whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. God bless all of you. Appreciate it. And um, we'll, we'll see you soon.